and welcome to Root Causes, the PKI and security podcast where a pair of industry veterans talk about all matters PKI and digital certificates. I'm Tim Callen, Senior Fellow at Sigtigo, and I am joined by my co-host Jason Sirocco, CTO of PKI at Sigtigo. How are you doing today, Jason? Doing fantastic, Tim. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited because this is a guest episode, and guest episodes are always the best one. And we have, we're very lucky to have David Cologne, Senior DevOps Engineer here at Sigtigo. And I would say by virtue of those two things, Senior DevOps Engineer and Sigtigo, someone who has a rare experience set in the intersection of PKI and DevOps. So hopefully we can get some good insights from you today. Welcome, Dave. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Going well. Glad to have you. So maybe for starters, maybe a good place to start is, you know, DevOps means, seems to mean different things to different people. So how do you view this word? And tell us, tell us what DevOps means to you. So DevOps to me means more of a cultural change in the organization of your development and operations teams. Um, one might look at it as a shared responsibility where a traditional approach would be you would have a network team, a infrastructure sysadmin team, a database team. And what ends up happening is each one of those teams have different responsibilities and they're accountable for different things that do not regularly align with business goals. Uh, same can be said for development teams. Usually product managers talk to developers. Developers now have to interface with all these silos. So one way to break down that organizational structure is by having the right skilled folks in the same team so they can share the responsibility and accountability to align with the business goals. Yeah. So, you know, in a, in a way, it seems like a simple concept, but it seems to be a concept that at least in some enterprises is causing people heartburn. Why is that? Um, I believe part of it is change. Um, I remember when I first started in the industry, and I don't mean the PKI industry, I just mean general tech. Uh, one of the advices that was given to me was to be specialized, be specialized in networking or database. And that never really resonated well with me because I came from a startup culture where I wore many hats. And I also felt that the jack of all trades wasn't a bad thing to have. And it's starting to prove out as time has evolved because a lot of DevOps engineers are very skilled in multidisciplinary um, actions. And you can always get that consultant or expert to help you out on like really deep level technological stuff. Yeah, and I, I think we're going we're gonna to come back to that point, right? Because one of the things about DevOps is you're setting up a, a whole environment. And so, you know, you, you need to at least be good enough at all aspects of it or you're liable to run into problems. Yep, and that's right. Uh, another way of kind of looking at the pain point is um, these teams they were structured probably geographically in different places. So it makes it very hard to have them collaborate, collaborate locally. So if you took, let's say you made a superstar team of a network admin, a sysadmin, a couple of developers, and had them associated in a, let's say, product or service-oriented approach as opposed to a specific discipline, um, those players may be in different offices, may not even be in the same time zone. So it makes collaborating in real time a bit difficult. But thankfully, um, remote conferencing technologies make it a bit easier nowadays. So is there also an org structure component to that where 
my boss isn't the same as your boss and maybe my goals aren't the same as your goals and maybe my process isn't the same as your process. Exactly. Uh, that's what ends up happening. Network team really cares about making, you know, pu- uh, packet pushing or pushing packets, I should say. And, um, you know, the efficiencies of that may not have any big business impact. Does lowering the latency matter for that business product? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on the service you offer. Right. And this is where we've seen another trend we've seen in IT, which is big as embedding, right? To, to, to break down your classic uh, monolithic, you know, uh, IT department and rather have departments that are there to serve business goals, business units, departments, things along those lines in order to more closely align those things. Yep. That's exactly it. So, so, so yeah. So, I mean, I guess maybe this almost starts with that question. So how do we get around these problems? Like, like, I mean, they seem like important matters. You know, if, if your goals and my goals aren't the same, that could really make a difference. What, what is the right way to structure a DevOps practice so that we're not having that problem? So I've already alluded to it a little bit. It's that uh, shared accountability. Uh, I think it really goes a long way. If you put a group of different skilled engineers on the same team, uh, they are now on the hook for that product. So naturally, all their um, business goals are aligned. So it doesn't matter how efficient the network is. If it's not going to benefit the business much, now that network engineer can now focus a little bit more on the automation aspect. Now that can be taken too far though, right? Because I mean, one of one of the things that we've seen, certainly we've seen classically, and I still see this, and let's take it back to security, although it wouldn't have to be security, which is to say, you know, somewhere you have a CISO who says, hey, you're not having a problem today, but that doesn't mean you won't have a problem tomorrow. And so what we're going to do is we're going to make sure that that you're secure, even though maybe you and the BU aren't thinking about that. So we still need to have some level of that external expertise, accountability and part of this process as well, right? Yeah. So one of the cool things about having a like product specific team is whenever they have free time, meaning let's say they finish all their features from product management and they get to clean up, which I know sounds like a dream in most organizations. Um, the good thing about it is when they're focused, when they do have that downtime, they also have this autonomy where they realize, hey, I know I implemented this solution and security was all right, but I wasn't happy with it. Let me revisit that and make it better. And that's the beauty of being you know, focused on one specific product or service, or at least maybe two, but not more than that. Because when you're focused on many products, you're going to have, you're going to be pulled in many different directions and not be able to revisit that thing that, you know, you know, you just got it done just to meet the deadline, but you never get to actually architect it the way you want it to. So Dave, uh, in terms of final outcome, what in, in your thinking, your experience, actually in your daily job, what do you think is, is one of the outcomes that DevOps specifically has been giving you? And is it, is it velocity of being able to put things out? Is it, you know, for, for and is there a different outcome for different sizes of organizations? Um, I believe the outcomes are mainly the same. So there's this really great book, uh, if I'm correct, that's called Accelerate DevOps. And it's a statistician's approach to measuring DevOps in high-performing companies. And they were able to identify a couple key patterns. And one of them you alluded to, which is velocity. Now, when I first read the book, I thought of velocity being as the number of production builds. But what I quickly realized is it actually means the number of builds built against any environment. It could be development, which is what it's normally for. So a developer does some code, they want to make sure it doesn't 
break anything. So they push that code in and automation magic happens. And it quickly gives instant feedback to the developer on whether their code did good or bad. That's really handy, Dave, to know because first of all, of course, Tim and I have have spoken about this in webinars and previous podcasts before. So that's consistent with what we've been saying. But now when you're when you're talking about types of environments, the complexity of environments, complexity of operating systems, you're talking about the advent of yourself in tech. I, I remember myself in the earlier days where, where just about everything was Microsoft stack and we weren't having to worry about the cloud. We didn't have much else except, you know, server blades full of Microsoft servers. And we knew what dependencies were, were available to us, regardless of what we were building. That's really not the kind of world you're living in today. Is that right? Uh, yeah, uh, it's definitely a lot different. Uh, one thing about DevOps is a lot of the concepts in DevOps existed before it was uh, uh, a coin phrase. Um, companies have been practicing configuration management. Those tools existed before DevOps. And DevOps just helped accelerate this and put it under a certain umbrella. And one thing that became advantageous with the cloud is this concept of immutable infrastructure. So when you're using com configuration management tools, you have this concept called configuration drift, where what's in source code may be uh, a little bit ahead of what's actually in production, where with the concept of immutable infrastructure, um, you basically destroy what you have and bring up what's new. So a good example of this using your Microsoft analogy, and I've never really been a true Microsoft sysadmin, is that dreaded Windows update. Um, instead of logging onto like a Windows server and doing an update, immutable infrastructure, what it has it, what, what happens in immutable infrastructure workflows is you actually create a whole new build that has the updates already built in, and then you just change, let's say, a load balancer to point to the new server. And if things break, you can change it back if you haven't destroyed the old server or just build up the old server from an older revision and then point to it again and see what update actually broke it. The same philosophy is true in um, a Linux kind of workflow. So what about, so we also hear a term which is DevSecOps, which obviously is DevOps with the word security stuck in the middle. So define DevSecOps for us, Dave. So uh, similar to DevOps, DevSecOps has security baked in through the whole process. So I've normally seen a lot of the products and services around the pipeline. So one big thing that DevOps borrows from is the manufacturing industry. And I believe it comes from Toyota. So back in the 80s when Toyota and Japanese manufacturers were taking over the automotive industry in America, uh, one of their, I guess, innovations was around quality control and pipelines. At this like factory line of how cars are constructed and a lot of DevOps borrows from that methodology. So in the past, if you had, let's say, a sysadmin team and you told them, hey, build me a Linux server, you might have that team. If you asked each individual, they might build you different flavors of Linux. And by having a pipeline, you get the thing exactly the same every single time, which is much like a factory assembly line. With that said, security is usually uh, DevSecOps and their tools are usually part of each part of the pipeline. So it checks the code, it checks the infrastructure for vulnerabilities. Now, that's how I've seen it today, but what it really means to me is kind of what I've always thought 
of a security conscientious company is that security is baked into every part of the process. So every discipline should be security focused. Yeah. And this seems like a simple concept, right? And this isn't a new concept, I think, to any of us on this podcast and probably most of our listeners, which is, you know, design and security from the very beginning. But certainly the way I hear it is that now that we're in these new environments and now that in a lot of ways our responsibilities have changed in terms of who's doing what and how we're doing it, that sometimes that idea gets forgotten or or lapses or is really properly done. And to some degree, what the word DevSecOps is, is just to say, no, guys, all of these ideas that we had, like design security in from the ground up, are still valid and still apply. And we need to do that in this environment and this methodology too. Yeah. And um, that also boils down to a concept known as like each organization or each team's definition of done. Um, you know, if a product manager says, hey, build me feature X, but and give it to me tomorrow, people will definitely neglect security. But if there is a good policy and governance that says you cannot call feature X done until security has checked it out, whether it's through a manual security team approach or using security automation tools, which DevOps being automation focused, DevSecOps also tries to be automation focused. So Dave, uh, you know, you're you're a practitioner of DevOps within a PKI company, which as Tim said gives you kind of a unique advantage to to see the whole spectrum of DevOps and security working together because at least you're you're very very conscious about it. And I I'd, I'd love to hear your take in terms of one of the what's an important aspect. There's all kinds of security aspects within DevSecOps and I I've actually uh, spoken to analysts they, who had a great chart of, of 10 different areas that somebody needs to keep in mind. Keeping one in mind is hard enough, but in DevSecOps, there was at least 10. One of them that comes to mind for me is the identity management. You know, this is a PKI podcast. A lot of people listening to this are familiar with things like uh, TLS certificates and mutual TLS authentication. When I'm thinking of containers and especially these orchestrated containers, I, I'm thinking about making sure that those certificates are getting into those containers the right way and the visibility of the certificate profiles underlying those certificate authorities. Love to get your take on on how important that is and especially with, with respect to the definition of DevSecOps and where that fits. Yeah, so that's definitely one that I kind of wish you know, I had direct line of access to product managers back when we were Komodo, because as a sysadmin back then, I wanted to use a PKI infrastructure to authenticate something like our SSH login process. And I know the question that you've asked was pertaining to containers, but I just wanted to divert it just to something simple that most people understand, which is SSH logins. So one common practice that I saw in a lot of organizations is if I'm a brand new sysadmin and I want to SSH into a production server, I'm going to get that SSH key fingerprint Do you trust it. And I've never met anyone or seen anyone stop and say, hey, can someone verify that key fingerprint? And one thing I didn't know when I joined Komodo, um, the CA business, was that PKI has solved this problem already and it authenticates uh, uh, identities. So... OpenSSH actually had that baked in. But one of the things that was hard for me to find is 
a way to automate PKI, especially on-premise, or if there was any paid solution out there that did this. And that same struggle was felt in a lot of different areas like containers. Uh, containers are very useful and immutable infrastructure. And that pipeline that we just spoke about, that's exactly where it would be in when part of that pipeline step is to that container gets brought into life, it checks in, it authenticates, and now it has identity. So whatever services it needs to talk to, it's already authenticated and trusted. I think that SSH analogy is perfect. So a day in the life of somebody who might be a developer on the, on the, or, or even on the op side, uh, depends on, on how you want to put the, de- the Venn diagram, the topology, as, as I think you, you've spoken about before, Dave. Um, that the day in the life of that kind of person would involve all kinds of certificates, uh, right? The SSL certificate to the web servers, the load balancers, SSH out to the cloud resources. And now we're talking about mutual TLS authentication certificates, which might be very, very short lived. So Tim, you're, of course, you know, you've got all the experience in the world with public, publicly trusted certificates. Some of these lasting, you know, two years to 90 days. Um, SSH can last a, perhaps too long, especially if they're keys and they're not wrapped in a certificate, Dave, right, with an expiry date, they could be lying around for a very long time. And now we're, we're dealing with what could potentially be rogue certificate authorities with you know, not very well thought out certificate profile structures, which is something that I know Tim and I have talked about quite a bit in the past on this podcast. So that's a lot to have to worry about. And that's just one of the 10 categories that, that I alluded to earlier, Dave. So is that, is that a, a good way of, of thinking about just, you know, a day in the life in, of, a, of a DevOps practitioner in terms of identity management, what they might have to think about? Yes, that's definitely a good view into it and uh, definitely shows uh, how much is on our plate and why being specialized isn't necessarily a good trait to have. I think it's important to be specialized in one discipline, but be pretty general on everything else because you do have to think about all these aspects and how they relate to one another. So I think you talked about tool sets. So, you know, I think in the earlier days of DevOps, it was, you know, there there was an enormous proliferation of tool sets. I know that's one of the challenges that you've probably had to deal with. But in terms of DevSecOps, is there another layer that we need to have? Or would it be better for you to have security tools? In other words, this identity management concept that's baked right into the tools you're already using today. So this is a conversation I've had with a couple engineers, especially that are focused on the security side, not even in the Sectigo organization, where... Uh, this concept of, is it better to have like an on-prem tool versus a centralized cloud tool? And I think that concept definitely affects your decision of how you architect things. Because if you had this cloud-based tool and you have this pipeline, what happens if the cloud service is down? Your pipelines just halt, and that's not a very good thing. Therefore, I can see how some people may want the on-premise approach to this. The problem with the on-premise approach is there isn't that many products traditionally uh, that existed for this uh, sort of problem that aims to solve this sort of problem. Therefore, a lot of shops ended up creating their own solutions. Uh, I know one of them that I did for my own home lab was using Cloudflare's SSL library to do my open SSH server authentication stuff. Yeah, when you're having to cobble together... uh 
tool tool sets from around the internet, it, things can get difficult. And, you know, this whole principle that you talked about, which I think is really core to what makes DevOps really powerful, is that immutable uh, releasing of software, that, that, that getting rid of problems such as configuration drift. I really like that term. Um, I think that really the underlying tool sets that you're talking about really shouldn't be I would hate for them to have to be cobbled together. I hope that the very near future gives us a better pane of glass into these kinds of, of things that I know that are on your plate, things that bring automation so that immutability really is possible. And this this big promise that DevOps give us, gives us can actually be delivered, especially in a way that we no longer, Tim, have to talk about DevSecOps as a separate subject, right? Yeah, like in an ideal world, nobody would ever say DevSecOps because it would be pointless. Uh, but the very fact that this is part of our vocabulary, I think, is an indicator that we're not all the way to home plate on this one. I think that's right. So so Dave, where should we take this conversation in a, in a future podcast? Uh, I would love to expand on the SSH server access mainly because um, you alluded to certificates expiring and a common uh, trend is no one should have access to production servers, but if you need access, how do you audit it? How do you ensure that the person who gets access, it, their authentication or their, sorry, their authorization expires in a timely manner? So I would love to talk about short-lived access to production systems and how PKI can help in that aspect. It seems like a, a modern take on the principle of least privileges, Tim. Yeah, yeah. So um, that sounds good. And that sounds like an excellent topic for us to pick up. That's nice and meaty. That deserves to be a podcast on its own. And at this point, I think this was a good introduction to the idea of DevSecOps and how PKI and DevOps interrupt, uh, intersect with each other. And thank you very much, Dave. Thank you, Tim. It's Jason. Thank you, Tim. And this has been Root Causes. Mm -hmm.